On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we are breaking down the Alabama LSU game. What a game it was. There's a new number one in town, and his name is Coach O. Go Tigers. What does this mean for Alabama? More importantly, what does it mean for LSU moving forward here? We've also going to take a look at some of the other big games of the week, like Minnesota taking down Penn State. Is Minnesota for real? The man and the model are both invested in this game, as we have a futures bet that involves Minnesota and Iowa, who just so happened to be playing this week. We're going to break that game down for you. We're also going to look at the rivalry game of Georgia versus Auburn and how that's going to have some serious playoff ramifications. Then we shift our attention to the NFL and welcome back insider Coulter as we look back at some Week 10 wonkiness, including wins by our least favorite coaches, Freddie Kitchens, Matt Nagy, Adam Gase, and more. And then we're going to look ahead at Week 11. We've got some really big games on the docket. Oh, and we're still looking for sponsors. I'm looking at you, Zip Recruiter. I'm looking at you real hard. So stay tuned for Double Down Trend. Double Down Trent, you might want to tune in Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win Pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto Keep it authentic and it's always live So competitive, so you know it's always hype Make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss Going all in here on Double Down Trent Hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go This is Double Down Trent All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your co-host as always. Once again, I am joined by my co-host, Aaron, a.k.a. The Model. How are you doing tonight, Aaron? We are in the midst of college football. It is November. It does not get much better than this. I am loving it right now. Yeah, it is go time. We just came off. The game of the year so far with Alabama LSU. Oh, yeah. So let me give you a quick little ditty on that before we jump into everything. I was working on Saturday. Okay. okay at a winery. Doing a little, <laughs> oh. little, little part-time gig here. Look at you. Yeah, you know, trying to be a little sommelier on the side. <laughs> I, in my head, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to record this game because what are the odds that somebody comes to a winery and is going to talk football, especially college football? Uh-oh. I'm like, no Uh-oh. chance. I record it. I go by. The game now is probably almost over. It's about six o'clock. Okay. And I'm smooth sailing. This one guy shows up, hammered, pulls out his phone, goes, Holy shit, can you believe LSU's up 20 points? I was so mad. I couldn't say anything to the guy because he doesn't no. know I've got it recorded. I no. can't like advertise. I can't have a thing around my neck that says, Hey, don't say anything about this game. Totally ruined it for me. I was like, You gotta be fucking kidding me. So I found out what happened, ruined the score, but I ended up watching the game just because I had a recorder. I figured, what the hell? What a game. It, was, it was absolutely worth watching because the back and forth was pretty phenomenal. Both teams played you know, relatively well. Definitely some uh, tough uh, early starting for Alabama, but two, I got better as the game went along. But yeah, I think uh, both of those teams will be pace setters throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. So before we jump into the college football rankings, before we jump into any futures bets, uh, why don't we do a little of our housekeeping and tell the listeners where they can find us? Yep. So you can always find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Uh, Check out us on Twitter at Double Down Corp. You've been very active on there. And I just saw a recent list of movies. Yeah. 
over the last couple of years, which I think is going to be uh, interesting and a non-sport. So we, we cover a little sport and a little bit of pop culture. Yeah. And our good friend, uh, fan of the show, contributor to the show, Lenny tweeted that at us. So we figured we would jump in and weigh in on that. Uh, I think that's going to have a lot of interest where you would love to have anybody tweet along and uh, give us their list. I'm sure we can uh, go into a whole episode on that. So if you want to check that list out, go to Double Down Corp on Twitter. And what was the list specifically? So it was saying that now that the decade is coming to an end uh, to give your favorite movie from every year in the decade. So it's pretty good. Uh, I love that. Okay, and you can also find us on uh, our website, doubledowntrent.com. That's where we're doing the competition, and you can leave us a voicemail or get in contact with us if you need. Excellent. So we are doing a live reaction here because Mr. Model did not get the updated standings in the college football playoffs. So things shook out this weekend. Obviously, Alabama goes down. We're going to do this on air. So – Mr. Model, if you'd be so kind as to reveal who you think is in the top four positions of the college football playoff. And I will try to guess based on going one, two, three, four, and you'll have to correct me as we go. Uh, I have. Yeah, I don't have a TV. I do have a TV, but I do not have cable. So I have not figured this out yet. In, In number one, I'm going to guess that it is. Ohio State. Ooh, incorrect. Is it LSU? It is LSU. They are number one, I think deservedly so at this point. Okay. So then an obvious two for me would be Ohio State. That is correct. Okay. A three, I would have to say it has to be an undefeated Clemson team. That is also correct. You've got one, two, three. Okay. So four to me is harder. Very hard. I I have a five. I know five. So I, I have already heard that five is a one loss Alabama team. Yep. So they would be certainly be one that I would consider for four. Um, Penn state lost to Minnesota. So I'd say no pack 12. I just think is not popular. I am going to go a one loss Georgia team. Look as at four. You. Correct. My Georgia bulldogs, courtesy of AK at number four. And I've been saying it all along, haven't I, that they control their own destiny. And I think the committee rewarded them with that. So they're sitting there at four. That's crazy. And I think I almost feel like it's a cop out that they know Georgia has to go and play LSU in the future. So, you know, something has to give there. So to me, it's just like, a you know, keep that spot warm, but don't expect to be there. Whether they if they beat LSU, I would expect them to go up. If they lose to LSU, then they're obviously gone. So it's like temporary. Yeah. And to just round out the list for you, we got Oregon at number six, a one loss pack 12 Utah at number seven, also one loss number in a pack 12. And then no love at all for the undefeated Minnesota. Wow. Knocking down Penn state. They did jump uh, big time in the list. They jumped from, I think 18 to, to eight or 17 to eight. So they're there at number eight. Now, let me run a little hypothetical by here. They compete in the big 10 championship. Yep. Do they have a shot against Ohio state? No, no shot, no shot. All right. No shot. So they just beat a pretty good Penn state team. 31, 26 this past weekend. We will be talking about this next game. They play a pretty good Iowa team this weekend. We'll, we'll discuss that more in depth. And then they have, you know, 
Northwestern later in November. But then at the end of November, they have a pretty feisty Wisconsin team too. So this is something we've touched on in the past. Even before they make it to that Big Ten championship game, they have a number of hurdles to get through. If they're able to clear all three of those big games, Penn State, they already did, Iowa and Wisconsin, then I will be very surprised and maybe give them a little bit more credit. But as of right now, now I just don't see them competing against Ohio State. Yeah, and this is going to be fascinating what-ifs because let's say now what if Georgia wins the SEC, right? And they beat LSU in the game. You Now you're looking at a nine or one-loss LSU team who beat – a one loss Alabama team, you're throwing an LSU over Alabama. Now, does a one loss LSU team have a better resume than a one loss Pac 12 champion in either Oregon or Utah? That is going to be a mess if that That's happens. That's going to be really interesting. And I think you're going to get the one loss LSU team in there over the one loss Pac 12 champion. But if that's the case, what's the point of having these, these conference championships? Well, what about the one loss Oklahoma team, assuming that they went out? Exactly. They're going to be there too. But you know what I, I find is interesting is they dropped all the way down to 10 this week. Yeah, far. So a really bad loss to K-State I think is going to really hurt them when it comes to the committee because you're not going to – in my opinion, that bad loss is so bad that you're not going to jump them ahead of the one-loss Pac-12 team and you're certainly not going to jump them ahead of a one-loss SEC team whether they play in the championship game or not. Yeah. It's, it's going to be fascinating. It is. So I wanted to put something in front of you and get your reaction to it. All right. So what is your reaction? So I was looking at some futures odds and I took another position on something else. What is your reaction to Alabama to win the national championship at plus 1250, which represents right about 7% chance for them to win? Wow. Those at Plus 1250 is pretty good. Now, the way that plays out is LSU wins the SEC. Georgia now is a two-loss team. Alabama wins out. They don't play, and that's going to bump them up to four. I could absolutely see that happening. That's what I'm betting on. That's why I took a position in that just to say I don't think Georgia is going to win out. I already have a small position on Georgia, so this helps me kind of cover that other path of risk. Um, so I'm curious to get your reaction. What do you think about a 7% chance of Alabama getting in and actually winning the national championship? Well, in terms of a straight up logistical point, you definitely got odds there, right? You got, you're getting way better than you would have two weeks ago. Yeah. I think a couple of weeks ago they were either pl- plus 180 or plus 200. Yeah. That's serious value. And yes, they lost, they give up a shit ton of points, but that LSU offense is lethal. They've shown year in that they can put up points. So that's not going to be considered a quote unquote bad loss, even though they were at home. So to me, what you're going to say here is that's also betting on LSU winning the SEC, which I think is, you know, cover your ears, Georgia fans and AK. I, you know, it's not a bad bet. So the fact that you got that much odds makes me say that's a smart bet on your part. I'm down though, overall on Alabama winning it all. But I think in terms of Getting value, you got a shit ton of value there. Okay. That's what I wanted to hear. Yeah. That's my two cents. I needed a pump up. Thank you. (laughs) Now, speaking of futures here, this is a perfect segue because not only do we have this game on our slate of action for picks (laughs) this week in the man versus model challenge, we also brought up a little bit of a futures bet of our own, a little bit of a parlay that we came up with involving your Iowa Hawkeyes. Would you care to explain? 
Yeah. So at the beginning of the year, I'm not sure why I even landed on this Iowa team, but I liked them a lot. And I put something forward to you that you could pick either side. And we, what we landed on is that I had taken Iowa at plus 250 to win four games. Well, let's back up. You picked Iowa to win the Big Ten West. And that's, that's what started this conversation. Ah. Uh, yes. So that's what started. The, and so we picked, I picked their, what I th- what thought was going to be their four easiest opponents in the Big Ten that were going to be obvious wins. And now I'm second guessing that. So <laughs> they've already beat two. They beat Rutgers and they beat Purdue. Which and now this a weekend, great team could do that. <laughs> yeah. This weekend, they have a really good Minnesota team that to me has flown under the radar during the off season. And then assuming they get through that, they're going to have an Illinois team. That's no rollover either. They've recently upset Michigan state. So this weekend we were going to be talking about Iowa and picking that game. Iowa is the slight favorite so far. What's your reaction to that? You know, I'm going to give you a movie quote here. Because that's what I do. It's from the classic movie Bad Boys. (laughs) And at the end of it, Martin Lawrence, upon shooting the main bad guy, he goes, I bet when you woke up this morning, you didn't think you'd have a hole in your leg. And that applies to you in this bet. Because I bet when you made this bet, you did not think that Minnesota was going to put a hole in your pick. That team is good. They are real good. They just knocked off Penn State. Now, this game is in Iowa, correct? It is in Iowa. That is correct. Which is a tough place to play. This game has some wonkiness written all over it, but Minnesota is here to throw a massive wrench in that parlay. So I'm getting plus 250, right? You are. Okay. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. I just want to say I love where I stand right now. So hold on. So I am getting plus 250 to that they have to win. Oh, so if, if, if they don't win all their games, then you get my, my, your, your bet, my $5 bet. Okay. All right. Guess what? Five bucks goes a long way these days. You're going to go take a a beer at your neighborhood bar for that. You know it, baby. Das boot. (laughs) Well, all right. So let's do this before we even get to standings. Let's just tackle this Iowa Minnesota game right now because we're already talking about it. Okay. So Iowa is home this week and they are the slight favorite at minus three. Do you like Iowa minus three or Minnesota plus three? Look it. I like Iowa. Okay. They're a good team. Six and three. <laughs> nothing to nothing to hold your head down on, okay? You're I think what, twentieth right now in the in the playoff poll, let me take a quick peek. 20th, okay? A good team. You've had some good wins. You've beat, uh, who'd you beat? Anybody good? Iowa no. State by one point. Yeah. You want to you wanna hang your hat in Iowa State? <laughs> you lost to Michigan. You lost to Penn, Penn State. State. And you lost to Wisconsin. That trend continues this week. <laughs> How... Is this Minnesota team the underdog in this game? I know you give three points to the home team just out of being at home, and that's a tough place to play. P.J. Fleck just went on a mission there. I think that team has got one of those nobody-believes-in-us situations. They're undefeated. They just knocked off fucking Penn State, who was previously number four in the poll, and how did they get rewarded? They didn't. 
They're eighth. Give me Minnesota. Give them to me twice on Sunday, baby. Come on. Okay. I, I hear that pick. I hear that pick. And I am going to go with my model. I am going to take Iowa <laughs> minus three here. And this makes me so uncomfortable. So I don't care. Iowa lost to Penn State and Minnesota just beat Penn State. Doesn't matter. My model, for whatever reason, has this as an Iowa win by about 10 points. Whoa, Nelly. Now, my I will say my worry, my worry here is that I feel like my power rankings are not updating quickly enough as the season goes along. So because Minnesota has been coming off of a, a you know, a low point in their football performance over the last couple of years that my my power rankings aren't able to jump up. And I I need to check this out over the offseason and see if I can correct for this. But my worry is that it, they're still artificially low and that Iowa, given that they had a pretty good year last year, they even beat, I think, Mississippi State in the bowl that they're coming kind of down from a higher so that you're seeing a sm- small discrepancy there that may be leading the model to be more pro Iowa than it should be. But in this, just given our, our setup, our banter, I'm going to stick with my model here and I'm going to go and take Iowa minus three. Let's go Hawkeyes. Okay. Now I will say this does feel like a classic, uh, trap bet game, but we just talked about a futures bet. I just talked about the games and the teams that Minnesota and Iowa have played beat and lost to. So I feel confident in that pick. I'm sticking with it. Okay. All right. So now let's go back. Let's just review the games from last week before we come back to this. And then uh, we will do listener standings. Let's start with listener standings so that there's no more suspense. Are you ready? Let's do it. In first place, we welcome back Jojo. Jojo. Back in first place, 34 wins, 22 losses, good for 61% accuracy. In second place, again, this has gotten super close. Shep Dog, 59% accuracy. Uh, third place, Graham, uh, 55% accuracy. Fourth place, Little Model. Not sure how he did it. I think he had a phenomenal week last week. I think he went four and one. Uh, he did go four and one. He is at 53% accuracy. Fifth place, we have Lenny, 52% accuracy, coming off a tough week of one and four. In sixth place, Colorado Rocky, 51% accuracy. I am in seventh place at the 50% accuracy, 29 wins, 29 losses. I cannot get any more average. In eighth place, Luann at 49% accuracy, so just a hair behind. In ninth place, oh, there you are, the man Ryan at 48% accuracy. Low blow, low blow uh, there. <laughs> in 10th place, we have a tie, AK, and now what I'm calling mini model instead of Mrs. Model, because mini model is now making these picks, my two-year-old daughter and okay. not, my, my, not my lovely wife. So I've renamed that and kept her in there, both at 47% accuracy, super close. The legend is at 45% accuracy, good for 12th place. 13th place, dumb man 47 had a rough week. <laughs> He went 0 and 5, 43% accuracy. And then Deke Buff still <laughs> in last. Also had a rough week. Also went 0 and 5, good for 36% accuracy. What do you think? I'm uh, excited to see who dukes it out for last there. Dumb man and Deke Buff. That's going to be quite a battle down the stretch. It's going to be a good one that we'll have to keep an eye on for sure. <laughs> All right, let's go back and review the games from last week. Are you ready? Let's do it. Uh, going back to our uh, Iowa Hawkeyes. 
they were away. They were playing a home Wisconsin team. You and I had both taken Wisconsin minus nine and a half. This game was much closer. I think Iowa ended up, I was watching this one on my phone. Iowa ended up shockingly scoring a long touchdown pass at the end of the game just to get a backdoor cover. Otherwise, this game would not have been close. Yeah, that that really chaps my ass. I, I hate <laughs> when the team you pick doesn't cover. That just when they win the game and don't cover, that's just an insult to injury. So, man, that pisses me off. Yeah, that one hurt. Uh, the second one, you and I both lost again. Minnesota was the underdog, the home underdog, plus six and a half against Penn State. You and I had both on the Penn, been on the Penn State train. This one. They, you know, Penn State trailed basically the whole game. Penn State ended up losing Minnesota. Huge win for them. Yeah, and we kind of discussed that, but I was shocked by this game. Uh, I was, like you said, we both are pretty high on Penn State. They go from four to nine in the playoff rankings. They're in big, big, big trouble. Ah, man, now the th- question is, and as we just discussed, is Minnesota for real? So we're going to find that out this week against uh, Iowa. But Penn State just let me down, man, big time. Yeah, and you got to th- think on some level they have to hope for Minnesota to perform well so that their loss doesn't look as bad but at the yep. same time they need them to to lose so that they can kind of creep back up so yeah. who knows how that'll work out all right our third game again it's been the best of the year Alabama was home against LSU you and I were both on the LSU train which was actually very rare so last week there were only five listeners out of 14 on LSU most everyone had taken Alabama and it was, you know, LSU basically leading the whole way. Yeah, it, that just is the Alabama dominance. Is everyone per, thinks that Alabama is great, and they are a great team, but the betting public is always going to be on Alabama. I uh, We discussed it. I thought LSU was uh, going to hang and keep it close and cover. But, man, our guy Coach O, he walked into Tuscaloosa and dropped his nuts on the freaking 50-yard line. <laughs> <laughs> he gave them a what's up. Now, Alabama was able to come back and make it feel like a closer game than it probably actually was by scoring a couple of touchdowns late. Uh, but that was a huge statement win for them. Let's hope they can keep the momentum going this week. Yep. All right. Our fourth game, Oklahoma was against Iowa State. Uh, I had taken Oklahoma minus 13. You had taken Iowa State plus 13. You ended up winning that one. Uh, it was seriously close. This was back and forth, and they ended up missing a two-point conversion. Iowa State missed it, so Oklahoma won by one point, way closer than I would have liked. Yeah, I love the decision by Iowa State there. You've got nothing to play for. you got nothing to lose at this point. You might as well Absolutely. knock off Oklahoma. It's just unfortunate that they didn't. I'm I'm down in Oklahoma. That's why, I obviously, I picked against them this week. Uh, they eat that win out. They don't have an easy uh, stretch either. They're playing Baylor. Then they've got uh, Oklahoma State in two weeks. So that's not going to be easy. They, and TCU, like, don't sleep on TCU. So, you know, we talked about Oklahoma being a one-loss team sitting there winning the Big 12, but you never know with them. They're not playing great football right now. No, they're sure not. Defense needs to pick it up because they can't continue to let up 40-plus points and expect to win. Oh, wait, a Big 12 defense is just getting shredded? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, shocking, I know. All right, our last game from last week, also a Big 12 uh, game. This one was just absolutely nail biter. Not a lot of offense, which is shocking. TCU was a home underdog of a point and a half against an undefeated Baylor team. I had taken Baylor minus one and a half. You took TCU plus one and a half. Just back and forth, went to overtime. Baylor ended up eking this one out, but it was a total corn flip. 
Yeah, when you lose a game that goes into three overtimes, it's hard to be mad about that one. That game was so evenly matched, an excellent game. I was sleeping on on Baylor. I uh, did not think that they were that good of a team, but they came through with a big victory there. They're they're keeping themselves alive uh, down the stretch here. So again, three overtimes with a spread that close. That was what I I thought the game was going to be. I thought it was going to be a back and forth close game, and that's what ended up happening. Just so happened I was on the wrong side of it. Shit yeah. happens. Yep, and we'll be talking about Baylor uh, this week as they have a big game against Oklahoma. Before we go to that, we are going to go to the ACC for two teams that are ranked. And I wanted to honor some of these teams that are ranked, and I wanted to try to pull a couple games across uh, some of these conferences. So the first game, Clemson is a huge home favorite against my Wake Forest Demon Deacons. The spread, I think the spread opened at 31 points. And the last time I looked, it's bet all the way up to minus 34 in favor of Clemson. Who do you like? Do you like Clemson big or do you think Wake Forest is going to cover here? So if you had asked me about this game two weeks ago, I might have thought a little bit more closely on this. I would have been back and forth. But Wake Forest went down in a bad way. They show that they are not for real, if you ask me. Not a for real team. So you're asking me now to pick against a team that coming off a bad loss, Clemson, who is riding under the radar, even though they're the third ranked team in the country right now. It's a lot of points. And I a lot hate, of points. I hate making that many points, especially on a Clemson team who they've found their rhythm recently, but they're playing really shitty teams. So let me just rattle off for you. Uh, their last couple of weeks here, they put up 45 against Florida state, 45 against Louisville, 59 against BC, 59 against Wofford and 55 against NC state. Their defense in those same games gave up 14, 10, seven, 14, 10. Yep. Blowouts, massive offenses playing defenses playing, even though it's a lot of points, I'm taking Clemson. 32, it's a shit ton of points. Might be the biggest favorite I've ever picked, but I'm doing it. Yep, and I am in total agreement here. So my model has this game as the Clemson win by something like 42 points. Uh, so it's certainly expecting them to cover the 31-point opening spread and 32 that we have as part of our competition. Uh, one of the things that I saw on social media called out Wake Forest also lost their uh, star wide receiver, Sage Surratt. He was the leading receiver for them. Uh, he was injured in last week's game against Virginia Tech. So that, in addition to a super tough Clemson team, will be home. I just can't see them uh, covering this 32-point spread. Clemson usually rolls us uh, pretty handily. Real quick, too, uh, I just want to say Wake Forest coach, Dave Clawson. You want to take a stab at a uh, university that he coached at at one point in his life? Richmond, the Richmond spiders. He was there when I was there. He's actually uh, a good guy. Good coach. He uh, helped me uh, stay on after I got injured and uh, helped be a student coach. So I don't like picking against him, but uh, this is just a tough spot for him. Tall order this weekend for sure. All right. I'm going to skip the next game that we have Iowa, Minnesota. We already talked about that uh, earlier in the show. Our third game, we are going to the big 12 Baylor is home against a visiting Oklahoma team. This will likely have huge implications for the conference. Uh, we might see a rematch of these two teams in the conference championship. Who knows? Baylor is a nine and a half point favorite. Who do you like Baylor or Oklahoma? So 
fool me once, shame on me. <laughs> fool me twice, I'm never picking you again. So I just went into a, a lengthy diatribe that I'm down on Oklahoma and Baylor surprised me. Baylor undefeated, which is shocking to me. They're 13th in the playoff. Now, honestly, if you look at it in uh, in all honesty here, they probably have no chance at the playoff here unless some crazy, absolute wild endings happen and a bunch of teams lose. Having said that, this is a lot of points. I picked against Baylor last week. I am down on Oklahoma. Baylor just shoved it up my ass last week. So guess what? I'm taking <laughs> Baylor at home plus nine and a half. And I like the dog in that situation. Okay. Now my model thinks this game is going to be a, basically a coin flip. Ooh. So this is where it makes me nervous. So like I said in the past, I run two models. One model has Baylor losing by about six points. The other model has Baylor winning by about five points. Ooh. So I tend to average those C together, which is basically, you know, a total coin flip. It thinks that they're going to lose, you know, slightly given Oklahoma has shown me that they cannot hold anyone to a low number of points. I'm going to go ahead and follow the model here, even though that makes me so uncomfortable. I think Oklahoma's offense is just amazing. I, I too am going to be taking Baylor plus nine and a half at home. I love it. I love it. That'll be the end of Oklahoma. We can put them to bed. Lincoln Riley can then maybe have a perfect pathway to become the next football coach of the New York Giants. Now, I just will say I will be rooting for Oklahoma in that game, but I still think Baylor will cover. That will be my ideal outcome there. Okay. Yeah, that works out best for you, uh, both scenarios. All right. In the fourth game that we have, we are going to the SEC. Auburn is home as a slight underdog against the visiting Georgia Bulldogs. Who do you like? Are you going with your tried and true spirit animal, Georgia Red, Georgia Bulldogs, or are you going to go Auburn? Man, I've been talking about Georgia this entire football season. (laughs) You have. Now, Auburn has had a couple of really tough losses. They lost to Florida in Florida, who was at the time, I believe, the 10th or 6th or something there ranked team. They then lost to LSU, who I believe was the second or third ranked at the time, who's now the top ranked team in an absolute classic of a game. They have played their asses off. Now, Georgia, on the flip side, their one loss was an atrocious loss at South Carolina. Yeah. And usually the committee does not reward teams for having really bad losses like that. I've said it, though, that they control their own destiny. They beat Florida when they needed to in the. The, that big, you know, neutral, neutral site field game that got them back on the right track. Their defense though, more importantly has been showing up. Now I know they played or sandwiched with Florida was Kentucky and Missouri, but shutouts in both of those games, that's going to be key. I think that defense is going to do just enough to confuse Bo Nix. I don't think I can take the freshman in this situation against the dogs. The dogs can control their own destiny. I've been saying it all along here. Three points is not a ton, even though this is going to be a really close game. It's a rivalry game. I still think Georgia gets this win. They also cover the spread. I like the dogs. Okay. So I'm torn. So my model on this one has Auburn winning by about seven points. 
That's that's not good. It is not good. I wanted to see the opposite. I think on this one, I think I'm going to go along and follow my model as much as that makes me uncomfortable. And I am going to take Auburn plus three and think that this might be where Georgia says, see you later. And Alabama then rises to the top, back to the playoff picture after this weekend. Oh, baby. <laughs> that is massive. I, uh, I'm not surprised that you make this pick, but I want to do one thing here. Okay. If you lose this game and this pick, you have to officially apologize to AK <laughs> and myself for picking against the Georgia Dogs. Agreed? Agreed. All right. Agreed. All right. What a game, baby. <laughs> uh, that'll be a good one. Okay. Our last game, I went to the independent conference. If that is a conference. Yeah. Um, two ranked teams. Notre Dame is a favorite at home against Navy. Uh, Navy is somewhere in the top 25 at this point, which is great for them. I think they're a one loss team. Notre Dame is favored by eight and a half points. No- Navy, the underdog eight and a half. Who do you like? Okay. I have a few things that are going for me in this pick and I'll give them to you in the order in which I think they benefit me first Notre Dame. Let me just give you a little history about myself and Notre Dame this year. Uh I previously picked them when they played USC. They were a 10 and a half point favorite. Guess what? They didn't cover (laughs) loss. I then picked them again against my better judgment. Okay. When they played a Michigan Wolverine team who I said was a joke, was done, I'm never picking them again, and guess what? They didn't cover. (laughs) Are you sensing a trend here? Now, the other thing I've got going for me is the service academies. It is Veterans Day week, your birthday, salute to the troops, give me Navy eight and a half, Fuck Notre Dame. They're done. They're on my done list. I've got about five teams on there. They might be top of the list right now. I think this is the game that collapses it all for them. I think it's the game that gets Brian Kelly fired. Wow. Not only do I think Navy is going to cover this, they got a real good shot of winning this game. Wow. Yeah. You think Notre Dame will not be able to stop their rushing attack? Hell no. Wow. Hell no. All right, so I never like picking against service academies, especially because I don't think my model captures the style of play. Accurate. I, th- I just think it's so hard, the old Georgia Tech style, Army, Navy, etc. So this makes me uncomfortable, but I'm going to go along with my model yet again here. I My model thinks that this is going to be a Notre Dame win by about 14 points. <laughs> I am going to take <laughs> Notre Dame. And I like it even more because you took the other side. (laughs) I'm going to take Notre Dame minus eight and a half and say that they will cover this game and win nicely. I mean, I I love it. I'm just going to I'm going to sail the ships to a victory (laughs) in South Bend. It's going to be the end of them. I just I love it. Oh, I love it. I can't believe Notre Dame is still ranked where they're ranked. I think they're 16th. They're a joke. Hey, uh, this is joke. this is a team that played your Georgia Bulldogs pretty tough. Yeah, they did. 
Okay, now give them that. That was when we thought that they were a for real team. But guess what? They barely beat Virginia Tech. They won 21-20 against Virginia Tech. So I don't want to hear that this team has got anything left. The triple option, it, like you said, that's an offense that if you don't play against it a lot, if you don't see it a lot, good luck stopping it. And I think they're going to run wild. Okay. Well, let's hope that is not the case for my sake. Yeah, we'll see. I need to make a, a little jump here because I have been atrocious lately. <laughs> yeah. And that's yes, putting it nicely. Yes, you so have. before we jump, Mr. Model, to our next segment, do you got any free picks that you like that the listeners might want to bet on? Yes, I will call out one that I like right now. So this is happening on Saturday. We have Marshall, who is home against Louisiana Tech. Right now, Marshall is a slight favorite by two and a half points. Um, those odds are still currently available. My model has this game as a Marshall win by about 17 points. So I have already placed a bet on Marshall minus two and a half, and I would like to see them come through, and I think that they'll cover this spread pretty easily. Okay. We are Marshall. <laughs> we are Marshall indeed. Let's go. I like it. All right. Free pick for the listeners there. Um I can't wait for this week of games, man. It's going to be pretty good. I would would not mind seeing a little shuffle at the top of that playoff leaderboard to see if we can get some new t- new teams in there. And I would love a Hawkeyes win this weekend. I've never rooted for Minnesota ever in <laughs> college pros, nothing. So I am all on board Minnesota. I can't wait to watch that game and see how that shakes out. That does it for our college football segment, Mr. Model. We're going to stay tuned. We're going to welcome back our insider, Coulter, and we're going to be breaking down the NFL and looking ahead to week number 11. That's incredible. Week number 11. So stay tuned for that. All right, for our second segment, once again, we are welcoming back Double Down Trent's very own NFL insider, Coulter. Coulter, welcome back to the show, man. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Excited to uh, talk Week 11 football, but, you know, we should talk about Week 10 because that was a fun week, especially the ending of it with Dallas and Minnesota and then Seattle and San Fran on Monday night, two of the best games of the year. Really hit hit our stride at the end of the Week 10. Which is what we were looking for. We we're looking for especially Monday night games that mattered, that were compelling. We finally got that. Um, all right, let's start. Let's jump right in. You, you said it, man. The Sunday night game, Kirk Cousins finally delivers a primetime win. Not only a primetime win, a primetime cover. Yeah, primetime cover. I was on the wrong side. I thought Dallas had more talent uh, and they had more defensive talent. That defense got eaten up by Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook. The screen game is unbelievable in Minnesota. Uh, I mean, Cook, I know you're a big Giants fan and Barkley just doesn't look like a shell of himself. So it's unfair to say this, but Cook is, I think, the best, maybe Camara. But I mean, is there another running back who I'm missing who scares you more out of the backfield catching the ball? I mean, that guy I mean, had catch got to throw McCaffrey catch. in there, too. Because oh, right. Yeah, yeah, of course. But, yeah, yep, sorry. That, CMC. Yeah, that would be the number one. And then Cook is number two. I think. That's the list. Yeah. Yeah. And then Camara has been hurt and Barkley is now hurt. So, I mean, that's the Mount Rushmore. But. Cook has just moved himself way up the ladder here. And you're right. CMC is number one. Uh, I knew I was forgetting somebody, but what an impressive performance for him. Cousins at night. He was, you know, that's a bad spot for him as we've discussed on the pod, 
but he still won. Um, you know, Dallas has this sterile home field uh, that has no real advantage, and I think that's an important thing to note. And there's another team that we're going to hit on later who I want to point out their home field or lack thereof. And uh, it's just important when you're betting week to week like we are in this pool to kind of keep track of things like what team actually doesn't have a home field. Dallas is one of those teams, and yep. Minnesota definitely – it, the line went all the way up to three and a half in the pool. It was two and a half. So it was kind of a bargain for Dallas at that point. But if you were in Vegas, three and a half for the road team against Dallas, take that every time. If you're in Vegas and you're listening to this podcast, that's almost a guarantee. This team should never be laying that much against a good football team uh, like Minnesota at home. Yeah. And one thing I want to point out with that game, obviously there's some coaching decisions that you can, <laughs> you can nitpick here, which we're going to get to. Did you happen to catch, uh, like near the end of the game, the Vikings were deep in their own territory and punted with probably like 14 seconds left. Tavon Austin fair catches it. Now, I don't know if you've seen the screen grab. If you haven't, I'll, I'll send it to you, but word is, and it would be my presumption too, that the Cowboys coaching staff, probably Garrett told Tavon to fair catch it just because of the time. And I can see why that makes sense, but I want to hear you. Why don't you hear me out on this one? Tavon Austin is probably one of the best punt returners, if not the best punt returner in the game right now. He's also a veteran. Would you not trust Tavon Austin to be like, listen, if you see something fucking return it. If not, if there's guys even remotely close to you, fair catch it. What do you think on that one? Yeah, I think you let Austin go. I mean, he's so fast. All it takes is you break two or three tackles and you're off to the races and you win the game straight up just on a punt return. Um, With that said, Dak, you know, if you're a Cowboys fan, you're looking for a silver lining looked great. And Minnesota secondary, which used to be the strength of the team, uh, is not as good as it once was. So, I mean, in that situation, you get 14 seconds and you figure a throw or two at Dak, who's been picking apart the secondary. But I agree. I mean, you let Austin go and you kind of just let the veteran, uh, you know, most times fair catch it. But there's a 10 percent chance that there's an opportunity he could take it to the house. And you kind of let him see that out on the field. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree with you. And just the, the screen grab, did you actually see that picture of it or no? I did, yeah. You him out on the field, yeah. Yeah, I mean, The crazy. lane was right there, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, you got to trust your veterans in that situation. But let's go now into the Monday night game because we have not had a good Monday night game in, I can't even remember. We finally got that game that we were looking for. We got I Seattle. Did, I honestly think this is the first good one of the season, right? It's Besides the Texans, well, Texans Saints week one. I'm trying yeah. to think of another memorable one. It's really been, we had Browns jets. That was terrible. We had uh Pat's jets. That was terrible. We had the Niners, or we had yeah Niners Browns awful. I mean, we can go through all the bad ones. Giants Cowboys. Yeah. Redskins bears. I mean, this was a terrible slate, but what's the real creme de la creme here was a potential NFC championship preview there at Levi stadium. Uh, and you know, Russell Wilson, MVP leader. You know, I called it a couple weeks ago and uh, Rogers was the MVP leader. I scoffed at that. Uh, unfortunately did not lay down a bet on Russell Wilson. Cause that would be great to have a ticket on him because yeah. I think this guy is a surefire MVP. This team has a lot of weaknesses, but he makes up for pretty much all of them. Uh, and that's a true sign of an MVP. And uh, that's, you know, you just can't, you can't bet against a guy when he's getting six and a half points. So I was happy that I had, uh, Seattle in the pool in on the podcast last week, at least got one winner there. Um, I guess I could bring it up now. One of the things I like to point out here is I, I honestly do not think San Francisco has a home field advantage. And this is a trend that they have two home games coming up extra best bet right off the bat here value for the, uh, listeners Cardinals plus 11 and a half 
I love that. I think that's the best value of the week. I think 49ers are super, super overrated. And as much as it pains me to say this, I'll put it on the pod and you can tweet it out. But I'm a Yankee fan. Levi Stadium reminds me of Yankee Stadium of the NFL. It's a very sterile environment. I know they show the crowd getting excited at parts, but no, there's a lot of money, a lot of San Fran wealth. There's not a lot of passion up front. This isn't factored into the line. I think there's going to be value here. I think they're, the Niners are getting way too many points here. I like the Cardinals. And you know what? I like the Packers next week at San Francisco. I just, I'm going to bet against San Fran at home until I see otherwise. I know, I think they're only two and two against the spread at home this year, but I, this is a trend that I, I'm personally going to, uh, I'm going to stamp it out myself and see how it goes. And maybe, maybe Coulter will be onto something here we can catch fire with. I like it, man. And it's funny you brought up the stadium because I was uh, saying the same thing. We were watching the game and I said it to AK. I was like, you know what sucks about that stadium is that it's in Santa Clara. Nowhere. So yeah. It's out in the middle of nowhere. And like as a Giants fan, I always thought it was bad having to go from Connecticut to East Rutherford. But I live in Connecticut. I'm not, you know, in quote unquote New York. If you're in San Fran, you got to drive an hour and a half, maybe more with traffic to get out there. I mean, I can't blame the fans for not wanting to go. So I guess that leads to a more sterile environment, but you're right, man. Once uh, Seattle had the ball there, once Russell had a chance to win that game, I'm thinking in my head, like there's no way that he is just going to come up short here. This is a perfect moment for him. And it stamps his MVP candidacy, not candidacy. He's always been in, but now in my opinion, you're coming down to Lamar and Russell as the two guys that are leading the fronts uh, front for MVP there. Yeah, and you're going to add in Watson if he beats Lamar this week. Uh, you got to like what he's doing with that team. Same thing as, as Wilson. I mean, this is a guy, if Houston's getting six and a half points in any spread, take Houston. I'm not a big Bill O'Brien fan, as we've discussed on the podcast, but you got to take the quarterbacks. And in that Seattle game, I think I had mentioned last week during my handicap that they had the best defensive and offensive player on the field with Wilson and Bobby Wagner. And I didn't even factor in Jade Von Clowney. Yeah. Had 10 quarterback pressures. When you get six and a half and you have the game's three best players, you must take it. That's a principle. Uh, I want all of our listeners to be to just use that, that use that principle, and I guarantee you'll be a winner long term. No doubt yeah. about it. And not even to mention the pressures and the hits that he's getting. He scored a touchdown. I mean, he's a, a game changer that when you've got a guy like that on defense and you've got Russell Wilson on offense. That's a recipe for you to be a really good team. And who knows? Maybe that is an NFC championship game preview. We'll see. I think Seattle has a lot more talent than people are crediting them on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, that guy digs that they got from Detroit too. another great player. You got to love teams that are all in um, Seattle's all in Houston. Same thing with Tunsil. I know the Rams took a huge loss. They screwed me in the pool. Uh, not exactly high in them, but you know, Rams are all in too with Ramsey. These are teams you want to bet uh, on, especially when they're getting that large number. I can't emphasize that enough for the listeners. Six and a half was so much in that Monday night game. And it was a great game. I, I keep yeah. talking about the, the point spread, but I mean, what an exciting finish. The overtime was amazing. Uh, and just, just a generally great game of football and got me so pumped for the second half of the year. Yeah. And I love when there's a good Monday night game because it makes you really anticipate the next week and Thursday all of a sudden is here. You got to love Be- it. <laughs> best week of the NFL season by far. That's a great point today. We're taping on a Wednesday and I was, as we were getting ready to record, I was thinking, oh shoot, I can't believe there's not a Thursday game already. Like, <laughs> I want Thursday. I need this NFL action to just keep going. Cause that, that Monday night game was super exciting. Uh, yeah, that was just a great, great talent all over the field. I got to give credit to San Fran too. I know they didn't win, but I mean, that's a talented team. Didn't have Kittle, lost Sanders still were competing against Seattle, who I think is, 
if not the second best, third best team in the NFC. So credit to both of those teams and making that entertaining one. Now, before we move on to our next segment, our classic bad coaching segment, Mr. Model, I'm going to put you on the hot spot here. If you had to give us a odds on favorite to win the MVP, would you put it on Lamar Jackson or Russell Wilson? So I'm going to disentangle this question with saying, I'm just going to answer it and I'm not going to tell you who I think is going to win. But as of right now, I would put it on Lamar Jackson, given his recent performance, that to me, he is the odds on favorite for the MVP. Okay. Now, is there value you think maybe in Russell, maybe Christian McCaffrey? Who do you think would be a potential dark horse value pick to look for the MVP? I'm still highly interested in two guys, both quarterbacks. Russell Wilson absolutely is one of them. I think Mahomes coming back. I think that you'll see him pick it up. And to me, I think the value, and I don't have it pulled up in front of me. I think the value would be on him that he's been out a couple of games and he is going to be flying these last weeks. Colter, you like that one? Oh, triple thumbs up. I wish I had more thumbs to give you there, model. <laughs> I love Patrick Mahomes at 16 to one. Holy moly. I mean, talk about it. the guy who was odds on favor three weeks ago. This team's defense if you guys haven't noticed is atrocious, this guy's going to have to win them every single game down the stretch, man. And his stats are going to be great. That offense. I mean, one pass to McCall Hardman. Whew, I mean, that guy's fast. Hill is fast. I, I love that offense and I hate that defense. It's, it's a great uh, equalizer to that team. Otherwise they'd be the best team in the league. Uh, you watch them play football and offense and you're like, how is this team have four losses? But then you see the defense and you kind of understand it. Uh, you got to love Mahomes in the value there. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right. You heard it there first, folks. It is now time for our patented double down Trent bad coaches segment. Coulter came prepared for this one. Now, if anyone's listening, we're looking for sponsors because some of these coaches may be out of a job soon. Maybe we can help contribute and pay for their little uh, their in-between jobs. So Coulter. Take it away, my man. Should we start with the number five and work our way up to the worst? Yeah, and we should start, though, quickly, because I'd be remiss to say last week I was calling for Black Monday, uh, Gase and Kitchens. I thought they both should have been fired after losses to my Broncos and uh, to the Dolphins. That never happened. And then the strangest thing happened six days later on Sunday. Freddie Kitchens, Adam Gase, Matt Nagy, and Dan Quinn all won football games. <laughs> on it's Believable, And because of this Titanic uh, shift, which I should mention created a horrible week for gamblers. I think everybody here included. Yeah. Um, it was my second worst week in the pool and on the pot. I handed out just one winner of three picks. So it really screws you. But anyways, this is like the college football rankings. This is pure overreaction. There's a lot of moving up and down. So now based on these wins, I have some just to let you guys know, Adam Gase is no longer in my top five. I couldn't get him here. Whoa. Yeah. So he's all he went from two all the way to out of the top five. So he's like Alabama this week. And <laughs> and Anthony Lynn is the only other honorable. Actually, I should say Anthony Lynn and Dan Quinn are now honorable mentions. So those are would be my six, seven, eight looking in. And so we'll go with five. And that's Matt Nagy. And there is nothing else to say other than the fact that this offense combined for 60 yards total across two first half, two first halves of football. That says it all. This is a weak Lions defense. The Bears could not get started against them. They held the clamps on the Bears for two full quarters before that Bears offense showed any life. The running game is what really bothers me about this team. It is just not there with him. It wasn't there last year. It isn't there this year. 
and they make it look so hard to do that. Something that is so easy for most teams. Uh, it just infuriates me watching them because I honestly think Cohen is a talented guy. Montgomery is talented. Robinson is talented. And I know Mitch is bad, but it's Nagy's play calling. It's Nagy's lack of motivation. How do you not get up for a division rival at home like that? They came out so soft against a backup quarterback. Where is the kill factor on this team? They should have won that game 30, nothing. I had to sweat it out. That was my best bet. Matt Nagy, number five on the bad coaching rankings. I'm with you. I'm totally fine with his placement there. That game, I was sweating that game out and I should not have been sweating that game out. That should have been a 35 to seven victory. If that offense has any life in it. Now, did you make that the key pick with the staffer getting hurt on Sunday morning or not? <sighs> I did not. Yeah. I was stupid. I should have though. I was lucky enough that I got off the key pick that I gave to the listeners on Thursday. So I had the, the key pick kind of in flux. And then that Stafford news broke. And I was like, I'm going to jump on this kind of like the Falcons one a few weeks ago and Matt Ryan was out. But again, yeah, sweating it out. I mean, Matt Nagy does not make it look easy. Uh, I should say I'm on the bears, of course, this week against the Rams. Cause I just, <laughs> I think that's too many points, but yeah, Matt Nagy is number five. You'll love number four. It's your own Pat Shermer. When you get out coached by Jason Garrett and Adam Gase in the same week in a six day span, you're automatically going to find yourself on my list of bad coaches. This guy needs to get fired. He's hustling this fan base. He does not know how to use Barkley. Uh, and quite frankly, he doesn't know how to use any of his offensive skill players. Ingram is a top five, 10. And that guy has been a ghost. Uh, I know Jones has had problems fumbling it and turning it over, but Barkley should have been sidelined. He clearly can't pass block. He's clearly hurt or something. It's just a total mess. And inconsistency at quarterback can go right back to the guy who's coaching the quarterback. Yep. That's Pat Shermer. I mean, if the number one problem with their offense is inconsistency at the QB position, it always goes back to Pat Shermer. So uh, Eli had problems with turnovers with this guy. The offense has been limped now for two seasons. And again, Garrett Gase both outcoached you. Or maybe not outcoached. That's a strong word. But I mean, they made you look bad. You're going to be he's number four on the list after that uh, poor showing one week, two bad losses. I'm curious who you got higher than him, because I want his head on a stake. <laughs> he <laughs> well, needs to be gone. Well, let's hit the top three quickly, because I want to expound on number two, because he's a new entrant. Okay. Uh, Jason Garrett, uh, he's climbing up the ranks here. This Cowboys team really might not make the playoffs. It's actually kind of sad. They were hands down, and I watched the game from opening whistle to closing whistle. This is a top five team in terms of talent. Dak is great. Zeke is great. Amari Cooper is great. I love Gallup. You know, Jason Garrett's a little old, but, I mean, you got to like what they have at tight end. Cobb, defensively, Their Smith, defense. Lawrence, I mean, Van Der Esch. I can go on and on and on about guys I like on this team. We, we like to rag on the Browns, but this team is much better than Cleveland. This is a very talented team, and it's not even situational stuff with Garrett. It's just a lack of motivation and the fact that they're so predictable coming up short in big games. I mean, why did I bet on the Cowboys? I knew that they were not going to come up in that spot. They always come up short when they, they all they need is motivation, and he doesn't give it to them. Uh, he can't beat good coaches. Um that's it. I mean, this guy, he's so bad in bad in big spots. He has to be above Pat Shermer just because he always gets his team into these spots where people think they're good. And then it's just always a letdown after well, letdown after letdown. And the repetitiveness has me really, really sore on Jason Garrett right now. Well, like you said, they're always a talented team and they're always underperforming. It's year after year after year. And then they find themselves in these situations where they've got to win down the, down the end of the season to even make the playoffs. 
you know, this year, the a, uh, the NFC East is not going to be a good enough team where they're going to get a wild card team in there. So you've got to win the division. All of a sudden, their Cowboys inconsistent play has let the Eagles back into this. They've got two games against each other. So who knows what's going to happen in that division? One game. Yeah, oh, no, sorry. yeah Dallas uh, handled Philly a couple weeks that's ago. That's right. That's right. So who knows what's going to shake out in that division? But Pat Shermer, Jason Garrett, the NFC East, man, you've got some bad coaches in there right now. And yeah, I was going to say the Redskins have already fired there. So I mean, yeah. it's re- really just uh, Doug Peterson is kind of the only pilot that's, <laughs> that hasn't hit a bird or something yet. It's, it's really a bad division for coaching. And you said it best. I mean, nine and seven might win this division. It is so sad to me. There's a lot of teams that have underachieved this year. The Rams, the Browns, uh, we, you know, we can create a list, the Chargers, but the Cowboys not making the playoffs. When I watch a team game like I did the other night and you're telling me that's not a playoff team. The four teams I watched in the night spots all should be playoff teams based on the talent that I saw, right? Yep. San Fran, Seattle, Minnesota, Dallas. Those are yeah. four very good teams. And he is the one factor of all those four teams. He's the one factor that's keeping the Cowboys behind. That, that, that's, that's it. Dak played a great game. Uh, I just don't even get it. I, at this point, I'm kind of just perplexed. But it's just so – it's happened so many times over the years that I've grown so tired. He would be higher on the list if it wasn't for the state of Ohio. I, I have a feeling I know who's number two, so let's let's see who you got. State of Ohio special. Zach Taylor, welcome to the list. Hey! Zach Taylor, and we should just, let's just do this segment. This is worst coaching staff in the league, and this is why Zach Taylor is number two. It's not because the Bengals are winless. This guy has assembled the worst coaching staff in the league. Let's go through it. Zach Taylor is 35. He is a product of nepotism. He is the son-in-law of uh, Mike Sherman. He got his job. Mike Sherman is the old Packers coach, but he also coached at Texas A&M. Zach Taylor got his graduate assistant gig at Texas A&M in 2012. He got the job because Sherman was the head coach. He's his father-in-law. He's only been an offensive coordinator for two years. One of them was an interim coach for the Dolphins where he did five games. The Dolphins went one and four. And then he had one year at Cincinnati where they were 500. He was the OC there in 2016. Otherwise, he's been a quarterback coach. He is unqualified to be a head coach, but that's not what makes him so bad. Let's look at the offensive and defensive coordinators. This is ridiculous. Brian Callahan is also 35 years old. He is also a product of disgusting nepotism in the NFL. His dad is Bill Callahan, the Redskins head coach. He's only been a quarterback's coach in his career. He's never called a single play until this season. He somehow has a Super Bowl ring for being our offensive assistant in 2015. That was a Peyton Manning offense that was so limp that the defense had to carry us into the Super Bowl and then win the game for us, if you guys don't remember. This guy is so unqualified at his post. I could keep going, but you get the point. Just two products of nepotism. They're no older than we are, 35 years old. Somehow they're the head coach and offensive coach of an NFL team. I'm not done, though. Defensive coach Lou Anaromo, 53 years old. He's the interim. Only time he's ever been a defensive coordinator was 2015 Dolphins like Zach Taylor. He was the interim defensive coach uh, coordinator in 2015 after they fired uh, their head coach. Now I'm drawing a blank on his name, of course. He was terrible. Who is the guy in 2015? Oh, Joe Philbin. Yeah, Philbin. They fired Joe (laughs) Philbin. They clear house. Zach Taylor and Lou Anaromo come in. And they're the interim head uh, offensive and defensive coaches prior to being the defensive coach that year in 2015. This guy was only previously defensive coordinator in 1992 to 1994. Where was he? The defensive coordinator, the U S merchant Marine Academy. He has never coached a defense since then until the Holy dolphins shit. in 2015. Since then, he's just been a D backs coach. 
for your Giants. You know how bad they've been in the secondary yeah. recently. This guy's <laughs> the least qualified defensive coordinator in the NFL right now, and his unit is playing like that. They can't stop a nosebleed on the ground. They can't stop a nosebleed in the air. And suffice it to say, the reason why I went through this is because I was actually on Cincinnati up until about 12 o'clock on Sunday. I don't know why. And then I started thinking, why does this Bengals team deserve my love? Switched it to the Baltimore Ravens. Didn't learn about this until the Ravens had handily blown them out. And I just kept wondering, how can a team be so bad off a bye at home? The, historically, 63% against the spread. Teams that are uh, are winless coming off a bye and playing a winning team at their home. The Bengals weren't even close to covering this spread. They completely beat that trend into a pulp. 63%. If you're winless, you're basically covering the game the next time. That's what the, the stat is. Zach Taylor, of course, he doesn't cover the spread because this guy is the second worst coach in the league, and he has assembled a staff that is full of nepotism and in, uh, unqualified coaches. And there's the segment, worst <laughs> coaching staff in the league. Hey, Cincinnati Bengals, boom, <laughs> roasted. <laughs> Do better. Do better, Bengals. Dude, Come on. I, I'm so mad at myself for not making that my key pick, for not betting my, my house, my apartment, because in hindsight, it was so obvious. But I thought in my head, I'm looking at that, I'm like, Maybe this is a classic trap game where they're right. The classic race, trap game. Yep. They're overhyped themselves. They beat the Patriots. They're going to have a letdown game. Man, I overthought that one. I picked it in the pool, but I should have bet every nickel to my fucking name. Me too. I couldn't believe that I was on Cincinnati for the better part of the week. And thank God I got off of that and bet on Baltimore at the last second. I mean, and then watching the game, I was like, what is going on here? This team can't be this bad. And of course, they're just so ill-prepared that they have no answer to a creative offense like Baltimore. Of course, Baltimore is going to blow them out. They blew out New England. Bill Belichick couldn't figure it out. Yep. Uh, what do you think? Lou Anarimo is going <laughs> to figure it out? <laughs> Coach of the well, U.S. Marine Academy? I mean, geez, Louise. That was some serious <laughs> in-depth research, and I fucking love it, man. That makes me want to pick against the Bengals every week. This. Uh, oh yeah, we're we're going to get to them. In a, <laughs> we're going to get to them in a little bit. And then, of course, number one is Freddie Kitchens. Eight plays inside the what three yard line couldn't score. Even with a win, he's still number one. Uh, he, I still cannot bet him. If it was Taylor versus Kitchens, I am inclined to take the points in Taylor. That's how bad Kitchens is, and that's why he's actually still number one. I was thinking of putting Taylor here, but I'll give the rookie coach a head uh, a little bit of a break. It's not necessarily his fault that he's a product of nepotism. I mean, Mike Sherman did, after all, give him that job. Seven years ago, I should mention this guy's only been coaching since I was in college. Seven years of experience. He's now a head coach of an NFL team. Not enough. Not enough years <laughs> to be coaching. I was going to give you a drum roll to introduce our number one guy, but we all fucking knew who it was going to be. If you've got eight yeah. plays within your, your the three yard line and you can't score eight plays, I mean, come on. How are you an offensive guru? It's unbelievable. Yeah, that that whole segment. Uh, I you know what. They won the game, but that was the worst win of the year. I, I don't know how you can measure how bad a win is, but I mean, they limped through to get that win. The Bills are begging them to have it. Yeah, that that hurt me. I, I obviously made that pick. I don't know, Mr. Monald, do you want to jump in here? But I got I got a stat first because this was a carnage week. It was also a massive week for underdogs. So I'm going to give you everyone this little ditty here, okay? Underdogs went nine, two, and two against the spread in week 10. Okay. For the year, they are 85, 59, and four. That's 60%, Mr. Model. I'm not good at math, but even that's pretty, uh, pretty standard there. If you were to bet them 
just whatever your unit would be, you'd be up 20.66 units on the year. It's absolutely unbelievable. Now, the last one I'm giving to you, okay, because you'd have to be a madman to do this. But if you did it, you're also going to be a rich man. If you put down a $100 parlay on these six underdogs that won money line, the Falcons, the Dolphins, the Titans, the Jets, the Steelers, and the Vikings, you would have won $200,985. Wow. That's nuts. That's bet, nuts. The, bet the dogs. I mean, that's it's been my bread and butter. I was telling you before we started recording, I was doing a little tinkering on our pool. I didn't even know this existed, but I'm 45 and 29 with the dogs this year. They're carrying me, carrying me taking the dogs. Yeah. Even if you made a $1 parlay bet on that, you'd have won $2,000. It's, it's unbelievable. Everyone should put down a buck on yeah. a big, big money line underdog spread. I mean, why not? It's a dollar. It's like you better believe the Right. You better believe I'm doing it this year. It's better odds than a scratch off. Yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, you think about it. Let's go through those. The Jets, that was really a toss-up game, right? We, already went, we already went through the Dallas game. That's a sterile home field. Dallas can't win in big spots. Jason Garrett. I mean, those are, some of those are really easy. The Rams game, I know I was on L.A., but, yeah, Steelers at home. That defense is top five in the NFL, and, and golf on the road. I know I, I gave stats last week that backed up the Rams, but it's official. I'm no longer taking golf on the road. And another thing about the Rams, too, while we're on them, Cooks being out, this was a really obvious one. What did we see last year when Cup went out? Teams could focus on Cooks and Woods because the trifecta was – decimated. It was just a two guy thing. They need all three of those horses to be running at the same speed. They need all three of them to make it work. Otherwise it's imbalanced without cooks to take the top off the defense. Guess what happens? They can shift over, take out cup. And then that offense is a shell of itself. We saw this last year when cup got hurt, the offense completely spiraled without him. It's doing the same thing with Brandon cooks. And guess what? They're telling us that they can't do it without Brandon Cooks because they're rushing Brandon Cooks back. He's supposed to play in week 12. And he's had two concussions. He should be the last guy that's getting rushed back onto the field. But the Rams clearly see what I'm saying, and that is that they cannot win without all three of their, their pass catchers. They need Brandon Cooks. And that game was just a byproduct of them having no offense because the Steelers could just plan on Cup, take him out of the game. They're obviously not running the ball well, and then it just becomes put pressure on off and make him make mistakes. And that's easy when he doesn't have the slant, the five yard slant to cup. I mean, it's easy to make golf look bad in those, those situations. Yep. And for me, the saints was just a terrible loss. So Mr. <laughs> Model, I feel yeah, like that one, that one, you never put in a money line parlay. No. That's just a no. crazy one. Mr. Model, I feel like that's a good segue for us to review our picks from last week and see uh, how things shook out for us. Yeah. So I want to give culture kudos. So he did the best out of all of us last week. It was a pretty abysmal week all around. Uh, two of us went zero and two. Coulter, you went one and one. So to review our picks, Coulter, your first pick, your non-key pick, Seattle plus six and a half over San Francisco, that came through as a winner. Good job by you. Your key pick, the one that I had also taken as my key pick, but kept it, much to my chagrin, the LA Chargers minus a half point over Oakland on Thursday night. Did not come through. Oakland ended up winning that one uh, pretty nicely. That's going to burn me. And remind me, guys, if I ever come back to you and say I want to do a key pick on the Thursday night, do not let me. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. That's probably my yeah. number one takeaway from that game. Other than the fact that Rivers, I thought I was getting 32-year-old Rivers, but I got the 38-year-old. Uh, that pick six early 
it's the wrong way to look at the handicap, but that really was the difference between these two teams. The, the Raiders got a pick six and the Chargers didn't. That ended up kind of being the difference. Rivers was awful late, too. They couldn't move the ball in the two-minute drill. The back door was definitely not open at all. It was terrible. Now, I want to petition the courts here because I know I didn't <laughs> pick these, but for both the games, I said for the, especially that game, I said, not so fast, my friends. <laughs> I feel like you had like a half point. <laughs> you, ha- you had that one. Yeah, we should have listened to you more. And yeah, the Rivers one, I got just so blinded by him. And Anthony Lynn, again, he's honorable mention for bad coaches. I get you get what you deserve when you bet on Anthony Lynn on Thursday night. Don't bet on Thursday night. Don't bet on Anthony Lynn. Definitely don't bet on that combo. Uh, <laughs> that's all, all. That's all I need to say about it. So Ryan, for you, you went 0 and 2. Your two picks: New Orleans minus 13 and a half over Atlanta was a shocker of the weekend. Atlanta ended up winning that game, and then Buffalo plus two and a half over Cleveland. That was super close. Buffalo ended up losing by three, so just missed a cover there. Brutal. I thought both those were just absolute taking to the bank locks, and man, was I wrong about both of them, especially the Saints. That was that was shocking. Yeah, thirteen and a half points spread. There's All right, and as for me, yeah, as for me, I uh, also went zero two. I took the LA Rams minus three and a half over Pittsburgh. LA Rams, they're not playing like I wish and hope that they were playing. And then I too missed the Chargers on Thursday night. Now I pretty much faded you, Aaron, because I think I also said not so fast on the Steelers too. That's right. I think you did. They're a frisky team. If they if they were not playing on Thursday night, I would definitely pick them as a, a key pick here. But whew, Thursday night, we just went over it. I'm glad that you brought up the picking them on Thursday night because I was looking at this and there's five. Count them on your hand. Five with all fingers coaching mismatch this week. Tomlin versus kitchens is one. You've got uh, Frank Reich playing. Doug Marone is the second one. You have uh, Harbaugh uh, playing against bill O'Brien that I love. I can't get enough of Harbaugh versus bill O'Brien. I mean, talk about a coaching mismatch. And then you've got McVeigh versus Nagy. As I already mentioned, I'm on the wrong side with Nagy there. So people can fade me if they want, but I can't, I just, I can't take the Rams after that disgraceful performance last week. Brutal. So let's go over the standings overall. All right. Overall in first place, Ryan, you are still there. You are leading. You are doing very well. You have 16 points, nine wins and 11 losses. Your key picks have been uh, the thing that's been really carrying you. I am just eking out a second place. I have 11 points, seven wins and 13 losses and culture. You're quickly coming up. You have nine points. You have eight wins and 12 losses. So not too far behind. Uh, I wish I could get better at the key picks. The key picks on the podcast have just been terrible for the listeners. And you know, my key pick Casale, I finally uh, was on a nice streak. I finally lost one. So I'm eight and two on the year on my key pick Casale. So so you're going to want to hear what I got this week, boys. Coulter, let's start with you since you're in last. Yeah. Uh, so best bet number one has been the lucky spot for me. So I'm actually going to put the game that I, I highlighted last week as my favorite play of the year. I'm going to do best bet one because it's been a kind of a good luck charm and it's Eagles plus three and a half. I outlined it on the pod last week. This is my favorite bet of the year. I just don't think this Patriots team has the offense that people think they have. They have injuries all along the offensive line. They can't run the football. Their best passing option is Muhammad Sanu. They don't have a tight end. They don't have a fullback and they don't have a kicker. I love the fact that I'm getting Eagles at home plus three and a half. That's exactly where I thought the line was going to be. And I love the extra half point. 
The only thing I would add in on the handicap I gave last week, if people are too afraid of taking the Eagles here or they like my handicap and are thinking of a way to kind of hedge it, first half odds for New England or first quarter, if you can even find it. I know it's a little niche for our listeners, but the logic being is Philadelphia is a slow starting team. They might not get out to the lead like Baltimore did, but you have to like the fact that the Eagles are getting three and a half here. I think they're going to backdoor. If, if they don't jump out to a lead early and maintain the lead, they're going to backdoor. I'm telling you right now, New England is overrated. I'm with you on this pick. And I don't know whether it's just New England starting off slow or Philly being able to score in bunches in the second half of games. Something about this line feels wonky to me. Like when you just look at it at the surface, eight and one New England versus five and four Philadelphia, you'd think that line would be a little bit higher. I'm with you though. I like Philly here. I, I might, I wouldn't be surprised if you get an outright win for the Eagles. I, that's what I'm saying. I mean, this, as I said last week, this is a team that all they've heard since they won that Super Bowl. the discourse in the public is, Oh, what a fluke, what a fluke Foles magic. This was a luck, blah, blah, blah. It's all terrible. It's all terrible. This team deserved to win the Super Bowl. They beat new England fair and effing square in the Super Bowl. That is my least favorite sports take of all time. And I'm sure you have enjoyed it being a giants fan. You hear it all the time especially in new England. Oh, they should have won that game. They should have won. No wrong. <laughs> they lost. They should have lost. They were the worst team that day. They lost. End of discussion. Peterson out coach Belichick. That's the bottom line. Just a tidbit too for the listeners, 90% on new England, three and a half. I love the fact that nobody's given Philadelphia respect. I love, 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 love the Eagles. We got Mr. Model. See a little grin over there. <laughs> I'm not sure if you guys have heard this or not, but New England has a historic defense. Okay, I'm not sure if you guys have have actually heard that on the news media or anything else. It's historic. Okay, I'm on New England here. (laughs) I think that Belichick is going to have a little something up his sleeve to see if he can slow down that Philadelphia offense. I totally agree. I think I'm certainly worried about some of the injuries that they're experiencing, uh, certainly on the new England offensive side of the ball. I have not thought deeply on this one, but when I went through, I always go through and do my first take on these and make my initial picks. Then I'll come back to it, uh, in a day or so. I landed at new England minus three and a half, even though they're away. The only thing that I would be worried about if you're like myself and Coulter and on the Eagles is bill Belichick coming off a bye week. I know that that's, but that's what out ni- there. that's what ninety percent of the public is on. They are the, literally the most bet team of the week. I guarantee it. I I guarantee by Sunday morning they still are the most bet team because most people are just looking at it and thinking, "Oh, Belichick off a bye. There's no way they can lose twice in a row. There's no way they can lose off a bye." I love this spot for Philadelphia. They're also coming off a bye. Yeah, that's fair. That'll be my only caveat. But I'm I'm on the Eagles here, so we're gonna see who's on the right side of this one. I think that's gonna be a really good game, Mister right. Model. You're up next. I am just going to go. And this is where uh, it's just straightforward. So I am going to take the New York Jets, the New York football Jets, plus one and a half over Washington Redskins. And I'm basing this purely on the recent news that Washington has announced that Dwayne Haskins is going to be the starting quarterback for the rest of the season. Uh, to me, this is just a, a focus of development for them. They know that they're working and looking toward the long term. They're not really worried about short term results, especially this game that's been coming up. The Jets have had their quarterback in place for a while now. They have Le'Veon Bell around to support him. So to me, if you're giving me a point and a half, even though the Jets are traveling, 
Uh, I like that spot for them. I think they have a better than a 50% chance to win, uh, let alone to the point and a half. So I'm going to go that their way. And I think Dwayne Haskins will continue to have, you know, a decent performance, but lots of growing pains to go along with it. And I'm hoping that they'll have uh, something to show for that here with the Jets defense taking, uh, making some turnovers. Coulter, do you want to go or you want me to jump in here? You can go for it. Yeah. All right. Now talk about a sterile football atmosphere. (laughs) You got Washington DC folks. Okay. Now, Aaron, not only do I like that pick, it's my <laughs> key pick, baby. Key pick, It's Key pick, Casalay. You got Sam Darnold. He's no longer seeing ghosts. That's what a trip to the New York Giants defense will do for you. <laughs> He's feeling good. He thinks they're going to make the playoffs. And you know what? Their schedule is really fucking easy the next like five weeks. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but this is a mismatch. Dwayne Haskins is just not ready for the NFL. The Jets defense is pretty legit. We just saw Jamal Adams just take over a football game, which he's got the ability to do. I think this is a lock. Yeah, this is a great play. Dwayne Haskins being a favorite in any situation uh, should never happen. I don't care who he's playing. Dolphins, Jets, uh, Bengals. She should not be the favored quarterback in any situation, any situation. He is not there yet developmentally. And you you mentioned the stadium thing too. They're getting the point here, point and a half because of why they're at home. They have no home field advantage. I mean, this team is opposite of a home field. I mean, I think them and the chargers are literally fighting each other every week in the boxing ring of whose fans hate us more. I mean, this is like, it goes round and round one week. It's the chargers and it's the Redskins. These two teams both can't field a home crowd. No way they should be favored in this game. And let's, again, I said this a couple weeks ago in a handicapping the jets. And I think I got it wrong uh, against their game against the Jaguars, but Vegas had this team at seven and a half wins at the beginning of the year. Trust Vegas. They have to get close to that number. They're not going to just be a two win football team. The jets are going to get close to that seven and a half number. I bet they'll get to six or seven. They're going to get there because they have games like this on their schedule. Love it. Kesley, do you want to do your non key pick, even though you just revealed your key pick? Yeah. So this week I'm either going to come in first place in our pool (laughs) or I might not win a single game. Okay. I have only four count them four favorites this week. I just read off all the underdog stats. The underdogs came to play last week. I am on the underdog train Four favorites. I'll let you guys think of it while I read off my, uh, my pick here that I'm going for my non key pick. I have four too. I should mention it. Yeah. I'm on mostly, I'm on mostly dogs myself. Okay. Let's see what we're going to do there. Um, I know we've also went into an in-depth conversation on why this should not be done, but I'm doing it. For my non-key pick, I am taking Jason Garrett and the Cowboys. No, <laughs> no, I I am not picking the Cowboys. I have that game, but I'm picking the Thursday night game, taking oh. the Steelers plus two and a half against Freddie Kitchens. That Steelers defense is absolutely for real. Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, talk about a guy who was just invigorated a defense. He's shown up and has become a massive playmaker. That defense is great. I just cannot see Freddie and that Cleveland offense being able to do much against Pittsburgh's defense. I was on the Corso end of them last week and said I liked Pittsburgh in that matchup against the the Rams. Well, I really like him this week on the road in Cleveland. I think they come through and uh, and squeak out a win and get an easy cover. 
you've got a full agreement for me. I mean, this is too easy. Almost. It feels, it it does feel almost too easy with Tomlin. Uh, they're going to, you're getting the better coach, better defense. Pittsburgh highly motivated. Their season is now very much in play. They can make the playoffs. Cleveland, as we went over with the Freddie kitchens thing is really lucky. They beat Buffalo. I mean, yeah. Wow. I mean, talk about a wimp victory. And the only concern of this game is Mason Rudolph, but supposedly Connor's coming back. You feed him 25 times, give Samuel the ball a few times, let the defense do the work, run the football. Uh, being an underdog is, I don't understand it. The game should be probably a pick em, I would say. Yeah. Underdog is just insulting to the Steelers. I like that pick. I'm also on Pittsburgh plus two and a half. I've been burned too many times on Thursday night, so I'm not going to think deeply <laughs> or really uh, hold out hope that Pittsburgh's going to come through because every time I felt good about a team, they've lost. So uh, I there think we go. I think the dog is like eight and two against the spread on Thursday. I'm almost positive. So definitely the trend is in the direction of taking the points it, because Thursday, if you think about it, it nullifies everything. There's really no advantage because you're all, you're all playing on short week. Who doesn't matter who's home or who's not. You're all kind of just like cobbling together a half-assed game plan. So it's like the dog always has an advantage. Yeah. Because uh, the game is more even than any other spot. All right, Mr. Coulter. Yeah. So this was my best bet one, but I moved it to best bet two because of shenanigans. I haven't been good with the key pick, but I feel pretty confident with this key pick, uh, even though I've been kind of doing the carousel here. I after I do a segment on the Bengals, I can't not take the Raiders 10 and a half. I mean, we've been over all the reasons why you should be taking the Raiders here. This Bengals coaching staff, they're just, they're just pathetic. Uh, I'm not sure if the Raiders should ever get this many points with Derek Carr. I'm not sure if he's an elite quarterback, but the Bengals don't know how to stop the run. So it's really as simple as if the Raiders just jump out to a lead like Baltimore does with Josh Jacobs, who I think is better than anybody that the Ravens have in their backfield. Uh, this game should be kind of a cakewalk, right? They get up 14, build the lead from there. Just let the defense do work. If you could shut down Phil rivers on Thursday night, you could shut down Finley. I mean, come on. Um, the Raiders should be able to go for 200 on the, the soft Bengals run D build the lead from there. It's, I really think it's that simple of a handicap. Um, this is an Oakland team. That's now speaking of like Pittsburgh in the playoff hunt. They have the Bengals and jets on their schedule. They're max motivated to win these two games and put themselves at seven and four. And that would mean prime playoff position. They're fully rested too, 10 days. Um, you know, I'm probably riding with the public on this, which I don't like, but I, I do. I can't not take the Raiders this week. It's, it's yeah. part of my, my whole segment here is how bad the Bengals are. Give me the Raiders 10 and a half. It's a lot of points, but I'll take it. I'm with you. I was this close to making that my key pick. Uh, I, and they're one of my four favorites that I picked this week. So I'm all on board with that one. Ten and a half is a lot of points, but I too, in my first pass have taken Oakland minus 10 and a half. Yowza. We'll see how that goes. It makes me really uncomfortable, but, uh, yeah, I I'm there with you. We got a lot of agreement here. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> well, it's easy to it's easy to agree after the ba- the Bengals didn't cover the spread by like 56 points last week. So <laughs> when, when you come up that short, you're not going to catch a lot of people being like, oh, take the Bengals. So I get why it's it's kind of a really a public Joe pick to take the Raiders in this spot uh, after seeing the Bengals get dismantled. But it's just like we did with the Browns last week. There's just some things you can't bet on. I can't bet on the Bengals 10 and a half. I nope. don't care. I know it's too many points for the Raiders. I really do, but I just can't take a coaching staff 
that is full of nepotism and inadequate coaching and terrible. Should we mention Zach Taylor wasn't on my top five bad coaches because this team lacks so much talent on the roster that I gave him a break for the first nine weeks of the season. I was like, Oh, let's, let's give this guy a break. You know, this team is really, really bad. They're just as bad as Miami in terms of talent. No, no more breaks for Cincinnati. Their team stinks. Their coaching staff stinks. Raiders 10 and a half. I like it. Mr. Model, are we going to have a unanimous pick here, or are we going to have to drop a corso on you for, for your pick? Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh. All right. Uh, okay, so last week my key pick did not come through. So this week I'm hoping to change that, and I'm going against who I picked last week. So last week I had the L.A. Chargers minus a half point against Oakland. This week I'm taking Kansas City as the favorite minus four and a half over the L.A. Chargers. This to me is two things. So one, Mahomes was back last week, and I fully expect that he had to work uh, off the cobwebs. He'd been out a couple weeks. The speed of the game uh, was back and new to him, and he was picking that back up again. So I would like to think that we will see a better performance from him this week uh, compared to last week. And then I'm starting to just – well, especially this week, I'm going to fade the Chargers – I just think that you are not going to get the performance that you expected from them. They certainly burned me last week against the Raiders. Phillip Rivers is getting older and older. He's not going to have the weapons around him. Uh, I just don't like it. So I think Kansas City will cover here minus four and a half. Colter, what do you think? It's a favorite. So I'm expecting you guys to be against me. Full agreement for me. I mean, again, one of the five coaching mismatches of the week, uh, Reed versus Leonard. Did I even say that one? Is there six? I don't even think I got to Andy Reed versus. uh, Nope, he did not. So that's six huge coaching mismatches. I can't take Anthony Lynn. Uh, the one thing I will say is, I don't know if you built this in your handicap or not, Mr. Model, but this game is actually taking place south of the border in Mexico. And yeah. So the, the one, my one fear with that is this is going to be a terrible field. I, I know people keep writing that they're going to take care of the field because last year was a disaster and they had to reschedule and put the game in LA. They're not going to take care of the field. This field is God awful. This is the worst field that any NFL team will have to play on ever. This is a terrible stadium. Nobody should ever play there. That is why it's a little wonky. It's in the Tyson zone here, the spread at plus four. Uh, That would be my one concern, but everything else points to the Chiefs. I don't think Rivers can backdoor people anymore. That offense lacks a third receiver. I don't really like Mike Williams as a second receiver, to be honest with you. Um, the only hope the Chargers have is if they can run for 200 yards, kind of like how the Titans just did, and dominate the time of possession, keep the game low scoring with Melvin Gordon. I guess I could see that happening, but I really wouldn't want to bet on it. And the field thing is my one concern. I, I did have Chiefs. I was looking at that as one of my potential best bets. you got to love everything Casey's offense can do. You really think they could put them away here. Um, if all goes to plan, yeah, this game could be a 41 to 10 route for Kansas city, but that field in Mexico is the one thing I feel like that's going to be the great equalizer and it could be just a sloppy, low scoring, crappy game. I hope it's not. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, you got full agreement though for me. I cannot drop a Corso. I'm with you. That's one of my two, like, we got over two of the favorites I've got here. I just, yeah, I know Kansas city's defense is terrible, but there's no way the Chargers offense can keep up with the chiefs offense. Four and a half is not a lot. That field is an equalizer. I, that that's my concern. I was looking at this game as a bet as the over, which is 52 and a half just because of how poorly Kansas city's defense is. But just because you're playing in Mexico city, I, I just can't do that. you never know what you're going to get with that field in that stadium. So I'm with you chiefs. 
Minus four and a half. Uh, yeah, I mean, ho- hopefully, it, hopefully the field concerns go the opposite way, and the Chargers' defensive backs are falling over themselves because they yep. can't have footing, and Tyree kills is zipping past them. Maybe that happens. To me, I'm not a field expert. I didn't major in grass, you know, in college. <laughs> So I don't know how that actually fundamentally switches things. All I know is that it is in Mexico and the field is a disaster and putting any money on a spread is with that kind of a field thing. That's my one hesitation. Uh, but if you're going to gun to head me, it's, it's obviously Andy Reid and the chiefs versus, I mean, Anthony Lynn, I mean, come on, we saw what he did on Thursday night. He, the guy's a joke. He's top seven bad coach in the league. You didn't attend the Carl Spackler grass management program. <laughs> Uh, I don't, yeah, we should come up with a segment grass, grass breakdown of the week or something. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> yeah, we're getting, we're getting too into the nitty gritty, but I, I think people that are putting money on this game should think about the, the field a little bit, uh, before just blindly betting the chiefs. That'd be my one thing to the, uh, yeah. people that are listening. All right. So before we end it, uh, we've went on, we've gone over two of the four favorites I picked this week. Do you guys want to uh, guess the other two? One of them is not Jason Garrett and the Cowboys. One of them is not Jason Garrett and the Cowboys. I am. Uh, I'm riding the the Lions in that game. And I'm Jeff Driscoll. Yeah. <laughs> I luck. would. Gu- I would guess that you are. You like New Orleans minus five and a half over Tampa Bay. Incorrect. They just burned me, man. Uh, Carolina versus Atlanta is one that I am on, and I was thinking of as a favorite. Ooh, I think I there's did that one. Th- uh, this was the line mover of the week too. This was a seven and a half spread, and now all of a sudden it's down to five and a half because Atlanta showed up one week. No, that makes no sense. Two point swing just because Atlanta won last week. No, I'm not buying I, it. Car- uh, Carolina. I'm doing a classic overreaction here. I'm pick. I'm taking Baltimore and Minnesota. Ooh, yeah. Minnesota is getting a lot of points in that game. I know Brandon Allen's a nothing quarterback and Zimmer's a great coach against the spread, but man, that is a ton of points. Thielen is the guy that I I think if he's in, I think they can gain margin with Thielen, but I really wonder how that team can beat any team by 10 points without Adam Thielen. I don't know, but that, that, that one I'm on the fence on. I have the Broncos right now just because it's a lot of points, but yeah, that's a good one. I like that. I said it. I'm either going to win this league or maybe not get a single win at all. So living on the edge and Baltimore, I mean, Harbaugh versus Bill O'Brien. I can't, I can't wait. I, I really hope that that game plays out where Baltimore wins and we could just do a Bill O'Brien riff because he was nowhere near the bad coaching this week. He, he wasn't even in the honorable mentions. So, you know, that the coaching is bad. If Bill O'Brien is out of the playoff of yeah. bad coaches, he's, he's not even in the field right now. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that game. It should be fun. Lamar versus Deshaun. That's matchup of the week for sure. Yeah, it's going to be good. All right, everybody. That is our episode in the books. Everyone will see you next week on double down trend. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. You know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight? at The casino, huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.